praise God that we worship a God who can take stuff that from our perspective is hurt and broken and messed up and he can use it uh, for his glory and even make it uh, into a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing when his grace transforms his people. And so thanks for that reminder. Um, Dave Beckman did just share with me, just talked uh, to Kathy and, and Ralph's dad did pass or Ralph's mom did pass away last night. Uh, and so, uh, like I just said, when we prayed, uh, great hope uh, for him is, is that his, his mom knew and trusted Jesus. And so right now uh, she's worshiping him uh, with those angels uh, that we just sang with a, a while back. And so, so that's good news for him. Uh, and Kathy's on her way out there now as well. So pray for her safe travel as she goes out to, to be with them as well. Um, we are, we are in uh, our series. I, I'm a little messed up, so I'm going to be gone uh, for, for three days this week. I should let you know that, I guess, too. Uh, Wednesday through Friday, going to a workshop uh, with some other pastors down in Des Moines from our district. Uh, and so I've been trying to work ahead, so my mind's all messed up. I, was, I already started working a little bit on the message for next week. So I was standing up, you're like, I don't even know what I'm preaching about. I forgot. Um, because I got like two messages in my mind this morning, so so it might be like doubly long, and then we can just take next week off. Um, probably not. I'll, I'll probably try and keep it straight here this morning. But but we're in First Timothy. Uh, we've been doing this series called Gospel Shaped Outreach, uh, and and the big idea of the series is this: if we are a people who have heard and believed the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's what was that's how we've been saved by. Faith in Jesus. Somebody told us the gospel, we heard the gospel, we believed the gospel, and we've been saved by Jesus through trusting in Him. If that's us, then we ought to be the people who share that same gospel with other people, that they might also hear the good news of Jesus, trust in Jesus, and be saved. That's the big idea of this whole series that we're in. We've spent about half of our time, every other week we've been in the book of Acts. So last week we were in the book of Acts. Next week we're going to be in the book of Acts again. But this week we're in the book of 1 Timothy. And so you can go ahead and turn there if you'd like. 1 Timothy is one of the letters that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write. And there's three letters that are called the pastoral epistles because Paul is writing these to fellow pastors, men that he has mentored and raised up and wants to encourage in some way. He writes two letters to Timothy. One is called 1 Timothy. The other is called 2 Timothy. And the book of 1 Timothy is the one that we're looking at today. Paul had been like a spiritual mentor or father to Timothy. And now Paul is far away. And Timothy has been left behind in Ephesus to pastor the church there. So Paul writes this letter to Pastor Timothy because he's living in this city where there's lots of lost people. And stuff is messed up in the city of Ephesus. Messed up teaching has led to messed up believing has led to messed up living in Ephesus. And it's infiltrating the church as well. And so Paul is writing to Timothy to try to encourage him as he seeks to lead in that environment. In chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, today we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2. In chapter 1, if I had to summarize 1 Timothy chapter 1 in one sentence, I would say this, just to give us some context. We are messed up but saved by a merciful God. So let's press on in gospel ministry, and it's not going to be easy. Okay, that's the message of 1 Timothy chapter 1. We are messed up, 
but we are saved by a merciful God. And so let's continue in the gospel ministry that he's given to us, knowing it's not going to be easy. Okay, that's 1 Timothy chapter 1. And then we get to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Remember Timothy leading the church through a messy time in history, in a messy city, with lots of lost people. And here's the big idea that we're going to see today. The big idea is this. God wants people to know the truth and be saved. That's what God wants. And so we must reach up to God in prayer for all people as we reach out to all people with the truth about Jesus. Okay, so three points today. Those three points are first, reach up to God in prayer for all people. Second, God wants all people to know the truth and be saved. And third, reach out to all people with the truth about Jesus. Okay, that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at God's Word. Uh, God's Word tells us those things. I'm not making that stuff up. And so let's read it for ourselves in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. If you're able to, would you stand as we read God's Word? 1 Timothy chapter 2, God's word says this, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us your word. I thank you that you have given us your spirit. And I thank you for the way that you have made clear to many in here this morning already, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would affirm in us once again the confidence that we can have because we have Jesus, who is our mediator between you and us, who has died for our sin in our place. Would you give us great confidence once again in him for all of us who will believe? I pray that you'd be at work here this morning amongst those who do not yet believe. I pray that they would hear this good news clearly this morning and that your spirit would be at work through your word to change their hearts, that they would hear it clearly and that they would believe in Jesus. And God, I pray that you would help us to be faithful as your people, to go out and to pray, to go out and to witness, to, to testify to the good news of Jesus Christ, because we believe that you are a merciful God who desires for lost, rebellious, hardened sinners like us to be saved. We're thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So three points, and, and again, there's not an outline in the bulletin because we're using those handbooks, and so uh, there would be a page in there that gives you a spot for those sermon notes for this week, so you got everything in one spot. We're going to start in 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, where I mentioned the first point is this, reach up 
to God in prayer for all people. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to reach up to God in prayer for all people. And so 1 Timothy 1, like I mentioned, was, was a, a chapter mainly about uh, just general encouragement from Paul to Timothy. And so Timothy is now going to start in chapter 2 getting some specific instruction. I mentioned to you that there were in Ephesus a number of lost people who desperately needed to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They desperately needed to hear that. And so as Paul starts to give Pastor Timothy some instruction, you might expect Paul to tell Timothy something like, Timothy, get at it. Hit the streets and preach the word. Get one of those megaphone bullhorn things and just go at it on the street corner. Print out some gospel tracts really quick and get going. You might expect that to be the first instruction that Timothy gets in the midst of a city filled with lost people. That's not the first instruction that Timothy gets. What is the first instruction that Timothy gets specifically from Paul? Verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Paul is definitely concerned about the lost people in Ephesus. So is Timothy. But notice the first instruction that he gives. He says, first of all, then I urge, and then he uses four different words for prayer. It's different things we do in prayer. We make supplications, uh, we make intercessions, and we make thanksgiving, but he's referring, all those things are referring to prayer. And so he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, we want to get to work at reaching these lost people in Ephesus for Jesus. Here's how you do it. Pray. Pray for, and he says, all people. Pray for All people. That's how the work of evangelism starts. We don't want to overlook that. As we talk all about we need to reach out to others with the gospel, it really starts with us just praying for lost people, praying for all people. All right? So that's how it starts. And then verse 2, he goes on and he gives a little more specific. He says, for kings and all who are in high positions. Interesting, isn't it? That he already said pray for all people. Well, who does that include? All people. Right? That includes kings and people in positions of authority. But he actually says them specifically as well. So he says, pray for all people, for kings and those in positions of high authority. Right? Or those in high positions is what he says. Interesting. So so he's saying, Timothy, I want you to be praying for the people in high levels of government. Oh, okay. That's interesting. He just said, First of all, I urge you to pray for all people and then pray specifically for these people. Why? Well, we're going to see a couple of reasons. Look at the rest of that verse. That, so that, that, that that's, that's explaining the purpose of what came before it, right? Pray for kings and people in positions of authority. Why? So that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Interesting, right? So he's saying to, to, to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to pray for people in position, high positions in the government so that we as believers can live a certain kind of life, specifically a peaceful, quiet, godly, dignified life, right? And so, so we think about um, 
how we should be known as Christians. We as Christians should be known primarily not for being loud, hyper-opinionated, disrespectful people who hate the government, but people who are living peaceful, quiet, godly, dignified lives as we pray for those who are leading us in our government. Right? That's what I see there in verse 2. Our ability to lead a godly life amidst an ungodly people is somewhat dependent on our praying for all people, especially those in positions of authority. So, we are called to pray for all people, and then maybe even especially for those in authority over us. Now, I was thinking about application of this to me and to us. Okay, so so we read this, and this is one of those passages where it's not like, oh, I wonder what that means. Well, that's pretty clear. Here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to reach up to God in prayer for all people, especially people in governmental authority over us. We ought to be about doing that, right? So, question would be, for application, how are we doing at that? How are we doing, how are you doing, how am I doing at praying for all people, especially people in positions of authority over us? And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how, how naturally we pray like microscope prayers. Okay, so we take our life and we examine our life kind of like under a microscope. And so, so we're looking in here and we're looking, what do I want to lift up to God in prayer today? And most of it is stuff that we can see in a microscope. Like we're, we're, we're looking at our lives very closely and hopefully lifting up much of what we see in our lives right here up to God. And as I was reading this, I'm thinking, you know, that sounds a lot more like a telescope kind of prayer, right? That I don't have a telescope, but if I did, I know that I would notice things and I would see things, much bigger things than I normally see. How often do we even stop and just look at, at how big things are, right? And so, so a, a telescope kind of prayer would be the kind of prayer that would allow us to pray for things that we're not normally praying for praying for something really big like all people and then maybe even zooming in on something in detail and praying for people that we don't even have normal contact with right praying for the president of the united states we don't hang out with him right so we don't we don't often think about praying for him because it seems like well he lives somewhere else and he's doing all this stuff that's that's not that related to me but but we pray for the person in that position. We pray for leaders in high positions all over the world. And so we did this during our family worship time last night. We just said, who are some people that are in leadership? Let's pray for them. I mean, so this is simple. This is not, this is not, this is something that, that you can do uh, as children to pray for people in authority. We prayed for teachers and principals. We prayed for Barack Obama and Vladimir Putin. That's what we prayed for last night at our house, right? We're looking at people around the world in positions of, of authority and saying, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for their salvation, right? And so, so, so that's, I think, the kind of thing that he's talking about here in 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 2. That there's lost people out there, and what we ought to do is we ought to pray. We're out of time. Now, I'm thinking of, okay, so Timothy's hearing this instruction. So here Timothy sits in Ephesus, hearing this instruction to pray for kings and those in positions of authority. Um, he didn't have access like we do. Like, we don't maybe have access to the people directly, but we know all sorts of stuff about them, right? I mean, because we have news access at our fingertips whenever we want it, 
Um, we know all sorts of stuff about the people in positions of authority over us, right? And, and they probably knew a lot less when they're sitting there in Ephesus, no, no news sources coming at them 24 hours a day like we have, but they're commanded, pray for these people. We have all sorts of information. We can, we can read article after article. We can read blog post after blog post and watch broadcast after broadcast and listen to podcast after podcast, okay? We can listen. To, we, we've got all sorts of information. We have a lot of knowledge about what's going on, if we want to, about what's going on in the world and in our nation. But the question for us is, so we know a lot, does that drive us to pray a lot? Because that's what we're commanded to do here. We know a lot, great. But does knowing a lot mostly lead to complaining a lot? Or does knowing a lot mostly lead to us praying a lot? Hopefully we become a people more and more who pray. As we hear the news, that we're hearing the news and then we stop and we pray. We're reading the news, we stop and we pray. Something comes to mind and the first reaction that we have is not anger and, and complaining, but it is prayer. And maybe anger and complaining is a part of it too. Um, but, but certainly we want to be people that are known mainly for prayer. Okay? Does that make sense? That, that's, that's the first point, I think, in looking at how we can apply that to us. Now, I mentioned um, uh, there's in the bulletin a, a little thing. Just as a way to apply this specifically, I think we should just pray. <laughs> if you're looking at, like, how, how do we be obedient to verses 1? Well, pray. That's, that's what we do. So, so recognizing that... that I think, I, I've noticed this, so I've had a smartphone now for, I don't know, like a year and a half or something like that. It's different, um, because in moments where normally it would just be quiet, it's so close to me that, like, I don't have very many quiet moments where I'm not doing, now I'll just take that and I'll just look at something really quick. I'm sure I need to know uh, what's going on. Uh, in somebody else. So, so I just like, I got to check this out. Maybe something happened. Maybe somebody sent me a message. Maybe there's something going on in the world. Maybe there's a score that's getting updated. Whatever. I, I got to check this, right? And so, so what I'm going to do tomorrow, um, and what I'd invite you to do maybe, is just, if you call me on my phone, I will answer it. Other than that, I'm not touching my phone tomorrow, okay? Um, because I know that I don't pray enough. I, I think about things a lot, but I don't pray about things enough because I've got other things I can do. And so I'm going to fast from that. Maybe, maybe for you that's not a problem, so maybe you fast from the TV, maybe you fast from food, but you do something to, to, to take away something that you normally turn to and to instead fill that time with prayer. And so, so maybe you're doing that. I mentioned in Sunday school, maybe you drive for work, so you're just turning off everything in the car and you're just doing that as you drive. Maybe, maybe you're doing something at work where you can, you can just spend time in prayer while you're doing your work. Maybe, maybe you're at home and you just, whatever. Uh, just that we would commit to, as a body, being obedient and just let's get together, whether, whether we're together or apart, let's just pray. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for what's going on in the world. Let's pray for lost people. Let's pray for all people, right? That uh, even thinking about the way that we use social media, just like, I mean, so we talk about other media, like getting news stuff and leading, having that lead us to prayer. Um, and how often do we look at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and the first thoughts that we have in looking at all that are thoughts of judgment um, and thoughts of coveting. It makes us want things that we don't have. It makes us 
make, a, make an evaluation of somebody based on what it was that they posted or whatever? What if instead we just looked at all that stuff and had that lead us to prayer? We're supposed to pray for all people, right? So, so anyway, uh, the, the church building is going to be open too. If you, um, if you just need to get away because at your workplace or at your home or whatever is just not a good place for you to pray, we'll just leave the church building open tomorrow from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. So, so hopefully it's sometime in there. You can just come, and I'm going to have a couple of rooms set up, some stuff set up in there, have some prayer guides to maybe help guide you through that time if you're wondering what to pray about. And we'll just come, and we're going to pray. Um, and so if you want to come with a couple other people, you can come and do that. You want to come and be by yourself. There's just going to be space, and this is going to be open so that you can do that, or you can pray wherever you're at, okay? We want to be people that pray. That's how evangelism starts, with us praying. All right, second point. Second point, let's look at verses 3 and 4. Second point is this. God wants all people to know the truth and be saved. God wants all people to know the truth and be safe. So here's what verse 3 says. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Okay? So God likes it. He says it is good when His people pray for all people, and especially those in positions of authority. It's good. It's good, and it's pleasing to God. And He's referred to here as God our Savior. Okay? Not a typical way that, that, it, that they refer to God. We often talk about Jesus as our Savior. In the New Testament, it doesn't show up very often that it says God, our Savior. It's true that God is the one who saves us. And then look at what it says in verse 4. Why is God pleased when we pray for all people? I think it's because God wants something to be done in all people. And what is it? Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Who desires all people to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what God desires. Who does God desire to save? It says all people, which is why we pray for all people. The invitation for people to come to a knowledge of the truth and to come to God as their Savior is an invitation that needs to be sent out to all people. We've got a rule, at least in, in, in our kids' classes. I don't know if it's like a school-wide thing now. But the, invita- the, the rule is, if you are going to hand out a birthday invitation, like to your birthday party, you have to hand it out to the whole class or nobody at all, right? Um, which, which I think kind of makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. Um, and whether you agree with that rule or not, when it comes to birthday party invitations, the truth of the gospel is something that we need to hand out to everybody. That, there, that there's, there's not somebody that we can look at and say, well, I don't think they need to hear it. I mean, think about it. Are there people that you don't want to see God save? Are there people who, in your estimation, don't deserve to hear the gospel? Well, I hope not. We have to share the gospel with all people because it says here that God desires all people to be saved. Isn't that an incredible truth? Just sit with that for a second. The God, the one whom we have offended, the one who created us, the one whom we have rebelled against, we have hard-cooled hearts toward him. We are disobedient to him. He's the one who made the law, and we are the ones who break the law. That God is merciful and gracious enough that he desires that all people would be saved. That's good news, isn't it? Praise God that we have a God who desires that all people would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, I want to deal really quickly with a question that might pop into your mind. Because there's a question that popped into my mind. And sometimes we have questions that are good questions. And sometimes it's like people just don't answer them. Well, this is a, a very good logical question. The question is this. 
if God desires all people to be saved and not everybody is saved, what does that mean? Right? If God desires that all, does that mean that God isn't powerful enough to get what he wants? Well, we say, no, it can't mean that, right? So here, here's what I want to do. I want to share with you two quick things to reject, one to wrestle with, and one to conclude, okay? That is this, as we try to understand. That's a good question, isn't it? If God desires all people to be saved and not everybody's saved, what's the deal? Reject this idea. We have to reject the idea that God is not powerful enough to get what he wants, okay? That is, that is not, we cannot go with the idea that, well, that must mean that God's not powerful enough to get what he wants. You know what it says in Psalm 135.6? It says this, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. We know that's true about God, right? God can do whatever he pleases, right? So we, it cannot be true that God's not powerful enough to save everybody. We also need to reject the idea of universalism, because some people look at this and they say, well, if God wants all people to be saved and he can save all people, then God saves all people. That's universalism. That's just saying, well, if God wants to save all people and he can save all people, then he must save all people. So everybody's good, right? And we have to reject that because we read passages in Scripture all over the place that say things like John 3:36, whoever believes in the Son has life, but whoever does not believe in the Son does not have life, but the wrath of God remains on him. It's obvious as you read Scripture that God does not save all people. So how do you... So, okay, so, so if he, neither of those things are true, then how is it that God desires all people to be saved, but not all people are saved, right? So, so in some way, it's, it's limited. Not all people are saved. We, we share the gospel with everybody. We, we, we hand out invitations to everybody, right? But not everybody is saved. And, and there's been people wrestling with, with questions for a long time, and we're not going to settle it today because I don't even have it settled in my mind yet. Is it God who limits the atonement, or is it people who limit the atonement? Um, and and if, you're, if you're like this hardcore five-point Calvinist kind of person, uh, then you say it's God who limits the atonement. And if you're, if you're not, uh, then you would say it's, it's people who limit the atonement and whatever. Um, we can talk more about that if you're interested in that. We'll, we'll, we'll have a discussion. It would be a fun one. Um, digging into stuff like that actually causes me to just rejoice in God more. But that's what you can wrestle with if you want. But here's some way. I, 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 was, I was struggling with this a lot this week. Actually, I came in yesterday afternoon, and I re- rewrote uh, a good chunk of the sermon. Because I was just like, I don't know. I, I, had, I, I wrestled forever before I came up with the first thing. And I came up with the first thing. I was like, oh, that's not helpful. And so I sent that out to the elders and got some feedback from them, sent it out to a friend of mine. And I've got this friend that's really wise, and here's what he told me. Um, he said this. I think in a real sense, God wants each and every person to be saved, but I don't think it's the only thing he wants. He wants, we all want lots of things, even things we have some power to effect. Okay, and then he gave an example. Let me give kind of my own example uh, to go along with that. I, as a parent, want my kids to be happy, right? And I think most parents would say the same thing, right? So we, we, we genuinely, and I can genuinely say, I want my kids to be happy, but that's not the only thing I want for my kids. Because if that was the only thing I wanted for my kids, and that, that would mean that any time my kids asked me for anything, I would give it to them. Because like, well, you want more Skittles? You want to like, fine, have more Skittles. Eat, eat chocolate. If that makes you happy, let's do it. But that's not the only thing that I want. 
I want my kids to be healthy. I want them to be wise and responsible. Therefore, I also have some other things that I want. And so, so same kind of thing with God, that God desires all things to be saved. Or God, God desires all people to be saved. But that's not the only thing that God wants. And so what is it maybe else that God wants? God wants all people to be saved, but it's not the only thing he wants. He wants his glory and justice and mercy to be on display in the world. And somehow, those things are most clearly displayed when not everyone is saved. Want me to, under, want me to explain it to you? I don't know exactly how. But I, I can see that it's true by reading scripture. Okay? All right. And, and then, and then uh, love, so my friend ended his email to me like this. He said, God saves sinners. All kinds of sinners. Really, really big bad sinners. From every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. We don't know who God will save, but since he saved us, we ought to pray that lots and lots of others will receive the mercy that we received, even if we wouldn't be prone to extend that mercy ourselves. God's glory is displayed more fully as he shows himself more merciful than his children. Amen? All right. If you want to talk more about that, we can. But the big point is this. God desires that all people would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so we proclaim the gospel to all people, which is the third point. Verses 5 to 7, we reach out to all people with the truth about Jesus. So we got some great truth here in verses 5 through 7. Verse 5, verse 5 says this, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Here's some really good news. Very specific. He says, here's the good news. You need to know the good news. The good news is there is a God, and there's only one. There's one God, and there is a mediator. Now, why do you need a mediator? You need a mediator when, when stuff between two parties, that they, they, can't, they can't talk things through on their own. They can't work things out. They, there needs to be reconciliation. So you need somebody to come in and be a mediator. The reason we need a mediator is because God is perfect and holy and just and cannot stand to be in the presence of sin, and we are wrecked with sin. Right? And so, so our sin problem needs to be dealt with in order for us to be in relationship with God in a right way. And therefore, we need a mediator. And it says here that there is one God and there's one mediator between God and men, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. The only way to be made right with God is through faith in Jesus. Jesus comes to be our mediator. And then we get to verses 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7 say this who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, Paul says, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Why did Jesus give himself up to be crucified? Well, it says here he gave himself up as a ransom. Okay, A ransom, a ransom is a payment that is made to get us out of the situation that we were in. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to make a ransom payment to the Father, paying the price for our sin and taking on our punishment. We, we teach because the Bible teaches that Jesus is fully God and fully man, both at the same time. So Jesus, as the perfect and holy God, or, or Jesus is perfect and the only mediator because he was God, he could pay the full price. His, ex his sacrifice was acceptable to God the Father because Jesus himself was God. 
And he can stand in our place as our substitute because Jesus was also fully man. And he paid what we owed. Who did Jesus die for? It says Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. All people, all kinds of people. Now, here's what I want to point out really quick. Some people say that we need to be more inclusive. And I think in many ways we're super inclusive. There's some very, very inclusive things about the Christian faith. There's some exclusive things too. Let me just point out a couple of things. We're very inclusive in that we would agree that all people are sinners who fall short of the glory of God. We're super inclusive there. Like, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. I'm not saying that you're, I'm just saying we're all in that same boat together. We're very inclusive. All sin and fall short of the glory of God. We're a little exclusive when it comes to the fact that we believe what it says here in verses 6 and 7, that there's only one God, right? Other people don't agree with that. We say, well, that is the truth. We're exclusive there. There's only one God. And even more specifically, there's only one mediator between God and man. Uh, that is the man, Christ Jesus. Okay? So all of a sudden, now we start offending some people because we are exclusive. But we, we're just trying to say, we're trying to be faithful to what the Bible teaches. Right? So the Bible clearly teaches there is one God. Muslims would believe that as well. Um, but Muslims would not go along with us when we say there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And there we start to offend some people. Right? But it's the truth. So they say you're not being inclusive. Well, hold on. We're being inclusive because, because also as we read here in this passage, we're going to be people that pray for all people. Because we believe that Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all people. And so we will be people who preach the gospel to all people. We're, 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 not, we're not saying there's only certain kinds of people that can be saved. We're saying all people. Let's go out. Let's proclaim the gospel to all people. Let's pray for all people. Right? So we're very inclusive but also exclusive at the same time if we're being biblical. We pray for all people because God wants to save all people and Jesus died as a ransom for all people. Okay? That's kind of the basic of, basic uh, truth of what we see here. God's saving work, of course, is not applied to all people because not all people are saved. It comes to those who hear the truth of the gospel and believe it. So we can't just pray. I mean, wouldn't that be kind of like if all you had to do was just pray? And it, but God's means of getting the gospel to other people is by using his people to do it. So we not only pray for all people, we go out and we proclaim the gospel to all people. Paul was doing a crazy thing. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher and apostle to the Gentiles. Most of the Jewish believers have been like, I don't think that's a, like a real job. I don't think we're supposed to do that. Uh, that was their understanding, their misunderstanding at the time. But we know from reading scripture ever, ever since the beginning, you've got the book of Genesis, God's plan was that for one group of people to be a blessing to all nations. That all kinds of people from every tongue and tribe and nation, we read the end of the book, get to Revelation, that's what's happening. People from all, all sorts of backgrounds, every tongue and tribe and nation gathered together before Jesus to worship him. That's God's vision, that's God's plan, and that comes when God's people are his ambassadors, are our ambassadors for Jesus, proclaiming the good news of Jesus in the world. Okay? So that's what we see in, in verses 1 through 7. Maybe, just to kind of close, you've maybe seen this passage before or heard it or maybe you heard parts of it. And every time that I've heard, like I remember lots of parts of this passage, but it's always getting chopped up um, when I do it. Uh, 
So I've, I've heard the call before that we are to pray for our leaders, to pray for kings and posi- people in high positions, right? I've heard that, but I didn't know the context it was in. I didn't know that it's in the context of praying for all people and praying for them so that we can continue to live godly lives because God is a God who desires that all people to be saved. So it's all connected, right? All this stuff is connected here, and I knew that God is a God who desires that all people are saved, but I didn't see the connection between that and us praying for all people, right? So, so all these things that we looked at here in this passage, that they're all connected. It is true that we ought to pray for all people. It is true that God desires all people to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so the big idea today is this. God desires all people to come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. So we must reach up to God in prayer for all people as we reach out to all people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? That's the big idea. That's what we see in 1 Timothy 2. We don't want to just see it and be like, aha, I got it. Good. Let's go home and have hot dish. Um, we, w- we want to be people that say, okay, then I want to do that. God, would you help me do that? Because naturally, I don't even pray very well for all people. I just kind of pray for my little microscope life. Help me to have more telescopic prayers that I might pray more and more for all people. God, thank you that you desire for all people to be saved. Help me to be more faithful in getting the gospel out to more people. That's what we need help with. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do. We need help with that. With everything that I I just uh, said, as we try and understand your word, in this case, uh, most of it not too hard to understand. There might be some things as we dig deeper that are harder to understand. I pray that as we wrestle with those things, what it would do more than anything else, help us to be people that worship you, um, that are just in awe of who you are and how you work. But there's a lot that, that doesn't even require a lot of deep thinking. It's very simple. You call us to pray for all people because you want to save all people. You sent Jesus to die for all people, and you want us to proclaim the gospel to all people. So help us to be obedient in that. And God, I pray for, I know that uh, th- there's always people gathered together with us that are hearing this, and maybe maybe they haven't um, yet grasped onto or put their faith in Jesus, who is the one mediator between God and men. Maybe they've, they've thought that their sin wasn't too bad and they didn't need a mediator. But God, I pray that, that if you're doing a work in their heart today, that the work that happens in the end is that they would trust in Jesus, that they would recognize that they need a mediator because they're a sinner who's offended you, the holy God, the lawmaker. We've broken your law and we deserve your punishment, but you sent Jesus to take it for us. Thank you for the good news. That is the gospel. That is the news that we want to proclaim. That is the news that I believe that many in here believe, and we pray that many more would come to believe that same good news and trust Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So worship team could come up. And like I mentioned, uh, if the ushers could just come, and we'll do that that uh, special offering um, for Mindy. Uh, we... I forgot to send out like a reminder email this week. So if you're like, oh, we really wanted to do that, but we weren't prepared to do it this morning, um, I bet we could figure out a way to get it to her if you just get it into the office at some point this week. But we'll just take that offering um, right now. Uh, And that's, again, to go for uh, Mindy uh, and Ed as they seek to continue to do ministry in the Czech Republic.
As they're doing that, we're going to sing a song. So we can go ahead and start passing that around. I'm just going to read one verse to you before we sing this closing song. We're going to sing a song, uh, and, and almost all the words um, in this song are, are taken right from a, a number of different passages of Scripture. But one of the primary ones is, is this, this, good, this bit of good news in 1 John chapter 2. So in 1 John chapter 2, John writes and he says this, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That's the goal, right? But if anyone does sin, because we know we do, how many times do we slip up and fall? We, we don't think the way we ought to think. We don't say what we ought to say, right? But if anyone does sin, listen to this, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It's good news that we have a Jesus, that, 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 that we can't stand before God on our own, but we have an advocate, one who stands before the Father and doesn't present to the Father our dirty record because he took our dirty record on himself and he presents before the Father his own clean record and says, take this, I am their mediator, I am their advocate, I'm standing in for them, I'm defending them. And so we can stand before the throne of God above because we have Jesus as our great high priest and advocate. And that's the song that we're going to sing together in closing. So if you're able to, would you stand and we'll sing this closing song together.